KFL Times 743, the KFL Morning Crew, Doug Lear, Dan Michaels. Thank you for waking up with us and making KFGO number one in the morning, number one all day long. Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, Heather Mitchell from Fargo's Animal Health Clinic joins us today. We're going into this with the Baja men who let the dogs out. Good morning, Dr. Mitchell. Should we be letting the dogs out in this weather? <laughs> no. It's really cold out this morning, isn't it? It is cold. Is is there a is there a standard rule about how, how nice it should be when before you let your animals out or take them for a walk? You know, the time outside is what we have to worry about and you know, they can tolerate maybe a little bit more um than we think they can, but we got to be worried about you know, their paws they're in contact with the snow. They don't get to wear little boots out most of the time. Yeah, well. uh, so we got to be, <laughs> we got to be, you know, um, uh, cognizant of frostbite on their feet. And, um, you know, I have a hu- little husky cross and he just loves winter. His This is like this, his time of year. He just loves it. And he can stay out um, pretty long, even when it's windy and yucky outside. Um, but, you know, I, I usually do five minutes at the maximum, you know, especially when it's negative uh, below zero. And even when it's 10 like degrees and um, lower, I'd say five minutes or less is um, a good rule of thumb. You know, those little tiny dogs that yeah. don't have a whole lot of fur and their toes are just so sensitive, yeah. you know, they can't stand outside. They're shaking all the time so. anyway, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, this time when it's really cold out and it's really windy, uh, they can't stay outside very long either. Oh, I bet not. So uh, years ago, I lived in a building where in the back of it, it had an old wrecked car. And in the in the summertime, the the grass would grow higher than the car. You know what I'm saying? And the, yeah. the feral cats moved in underneath this thing. Oh, and I think about yeah. critters that are out in this, you know, feral or whatever. How, do 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 feral cats and stuff like that living in our community? Can, do they make it in this weather? Not all the time. You're right, especially um, cats. So uh, little baby kittens, uh, they're not going to have much chance in this type of weather so oh. even if you see any in the community or you know of anybody you know know of them anywhere uh, it's best to call animal control get those little guys safe I actually had a little patient who um, her owners found her out you know kind of by their workplace and uh, she ended up losing most of her ears and oh. due to frostbite in the tip of her tail and if they hadn't have gotten that little kitten and, you know, rescued her from the elements, she wouldn't, the little, little kitty wouldn't have made it at all. And she is just thriving under their care now. She don't need little ear tips. She's fine without them. <laughs> and, and you can't even tell that her little tip of her tail um, has frostbite and that fell off too. But, yeah, I can't even imagine um, what that little kitten had to endure. And she's still survived and is healthy and is thriving now so gosh darn those cats are tough as nails well and uh, so please don't leave your uh, pets out don't let your cat out overnight in this kind of weather it's just uh, i know they probably want to go out but we just got to keep them in the house when it's uh, this kind of stuff uh so uh, i started off a little while ago by talking about the the saying that 
There are no bad dogs. There are no bad pets. There's only bad owners. What is your thought when you hear something like that? I'm glad you brought that up because that is actually a pretty profound statement that not everybody realizes. We are asking our, like, we are asking these dogs and cats to come and live in our house. We don't give them the choice of their roommates, you know. We just kind of put them in the situation and expect them to know what to, what to do. They don't know how to live in a house. They don't know that they're not supposed to potty in the kitchen floor, you know. It is very, very, not, it's very important that we teach these little ones um, how to coexist with us and what their expectations are for living in a house with us because they're not born with that information at all. Well, that's right. We got to teach them. Uh, here's a great question along the same lines of, because <clears throat> I, I think I read something the other day of a, a dog attacked a kid or something somewhere, which always reminds me of, you know, what, is, what are the owners teaching these dogs that they would attack uh, a child or something like that? And a person writes into our text line here this morning. Uh, by the way, we're talking to Dr. Heather Mitchell from Fargo's Animal Health Clinic. Uh, 35270 is the text line. If your dog has bit somebody in the past, does that mean he'll always be a biter, Doc? Um, the risk will always be there. So we have to manage that pet's environment um, to help make sure those incidents don't happen. But there is, it's called a progression um, or a ladder of aggression. Um, and, there, and that is, I have a nice little handout. Um, this says just ladder of aggression, and it is a nice picture that shows us what is going on in the dog's mind um, and kind of what those warning signals are that they give out to the environment before it escalates into a bite. And there are many, many rungs on the ladder from low to high, and the high end of the ladder is when the dog bites. So there's very there's a lot of signals and signs that the animal is trying to tell us before it gets to the bite, and sometimes we miss that, or sometimes another animal misses those cues. So um, that that is usually a little bit of um, you know kind of a warning sign of what you know could happen. But once the animal has progressed to biting, sometimes they remember that hey, those warning signs that I did over and over again, nobody paid attention to. So now when I bite something, then people listen and stay away from me or stay away from my food or stay uh, away from my toys. So sometimes they skip, you know, a whole bunch of warning signals because they hadn't worked in the past for them. So yeah, it's, it's a very, it's not necessarily as simple as is, is my animal, my animal bits once, is it going to bite yeah. You know, in every situation, not necessarily, but the risk is certainly there. And it is our job as pet owners to keep the humans and the children, especially in the environments with that dog safe. So okay. basket muzzles, reducing the inst- reducing the access to children um, in that environment, too. Yeah, it's, it's our responsibility to help prevent those incidents from happening and keeping uh, the humans in the environment safe and not letting that dog have um, an opportunity to create a biting situation too. Dr. Heather Mitchell, Fargo Animal Health Clinic is joining us. Uh, we're almost out of time, Doc, but uh, 
Weird time to ask this question, but Doug did write this down for you. He wanted to talk to you about spring and the importance of deworming, heartworm prevention, flea and tick prevention. <laughs> I know. Doesn't seem like they're ever going to be back again after the what's going on right now. But you know, yeah, I thought this would be a nice uh, topic to kind of get us prepared for that and looking forward to spring. And then this whole blizzard thing happens. I was like, oh boy. Well, <laughs> we'll talk about it anyways. But yeah, that's right around the corner. You know, March is coming here not too not too far away. And then uh, spring comes, and then those mosquitoes and fleas and ticks are going to be out in May. I, I guarantee it. So it's um, a good idea to make sure we have all of those um, preventions and vaccinations and heartworm and tick disease tests um, up to date. And um, we are prepared for when spring finally does come. And a, and a good rule of thumb is what I tell my clients is like, I like to, we can either do this one of two ways in our area. We can use heartworm and flea and tick prevention all year round, and then nobody forgets. We just do it every month. And, or we can do it one month before the start, one month before the, um, starts one month before those bugs come out, you know, in April. So, you know, we're going to have to get back on and and talk about this uh, when the weather starts to change too, Dr. Mitchell, because uh, I know a buddy of mine, uh, just got his heart broke a couple of years ago uh, where they were trying to do flea and tick prevention and they ended up killing the dog by doing it. And oh, I think yeah. it was a like, over-the-counter thing, blah, blah. So uh, when we have you on next time, we'll talk about how important it is. You have to have flea and tick prevention, but maybe you should do it through the doctor. And uh, we'll talk more about the that. right as, kind. Yeah, we get yeah. closer. Well, you buy it stuff off the shelf and you don't know what you're getting and what you're giving your pet. So anyway, uh, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine, uh, Dr. Heather Mitchell, joining us from Fargo's Animal Health Clinic today. Doc, thanks so very much. Uh, do you have a snowblower? Absolutely, and I know how to run it. Yeah, that girl. You bet. Good to hear, Doc. Have a, I hope it's a nice, uh, pleasant couple days for you and everything goes well. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Them canine. Hey!